This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Magpies Unrestricted. Hello ladies and gents and welcome to Magpies Unrestricted, where we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. I'm your host Chris Simpson and joining me as always is Corey Thistlethwaite. Hello. And we are joining you in the midst of an international break. We have to say there's not a huge amount to talk about this week. I feel like we're going to have to do some filler. How are you Christopher? How's, how's life been dealing with you? I'm, I'm alright. Yeah. Tired. Yeah. Always tired. It's just part of being an adult though, isn't it? So very tired. <laughs> and they say like the life travels faster when you get older and you don't believe them. And then like 10 years later, it's like a car crash happening <laughs> while being fast forward on screen. And it's like, wow, you know, all those things that they should have done that haven't yet happened. I think also the tiredness is definitely part of just just general cat ownership. It's just. Yeah, but not everyone has a stupid cat like ours. So, you know. No. It's always that. It's like children. It's like children. However, like, our child, in inverted commas, has claws and will never progress beyond the age of a grumpy toddler. <laughs> My God, he is a grumpy toddler. Like, with, with knives for hands. <laughs> yeah. I picture that, listeners. <laughs> I don't even get any relief. At least you get to stay here and then you don't have to talk to anybody else again. I have to, like, actually go and interact with more actual children on a regular basis. And when I do talk to other people, he comes and gets involved anyway, as he did in today's meeting, didn't you? And he has to. He's more important than you. (laughs) (laughs) Or me. Or anybody. That wasn't just me being cruel. He's a cat. (laughs) Anyway, Newcastle listeners. Well, you've actually come (laughs) to listen to us talk about. Uh, As I say, not a huge amount this week. But since we last spoke, of course, we've had Eddie Howe's first press conference where he expertly dodged questions on Saudi Arabia. He must have been he must have been prepped on how to react to these because hundred percent. It's, it's gonna have well obviously they all they all are, but I think this is gonna have to be an ongoing thing that, that um Eddie's just gonna have to avoid. It's gonna open a can of worms if he enters it. He's never going to give be able to give a right answer for everybody. It's always gonna be an avoidance. And I can't see this question is not is gonna just go away, but yeah, I mean, of course, yeah, he, he was asked about the Saudi ownership at Newcastle and he basically replied saying that uh, for him, you know, it was a football decision. So I'm absolutely delighted to be here. Focus is football. That's all I'm going to concern myself with. I'll give everything to the job every single day. But success is going to take a lot of hard work, a lot of sacrifice and a lot of suffering from everyone here. And what are they going to sacrifice? Players? <laughs> well, John <Jandra laughs> Shelby might actually have to do some work. Uh, maybe he's the one. Maybe he's the one sorting out the sacrifices, like some form of warlock. <laughs> yeah, he he's the one sort of preparing the ritual. Yeah, he's going to sacrifice a couple of dandelions or something. <laughs> but um, yeah, in terms of the Saudi Arabia issue, as you said, this is a question that 100 percent everyone would have, would have known was coming, had to be asked, of course. Yeah, it's one of those things. Look. Listeners, I'm sure you know by now my feelings on the Saudis and how 
uh, I'd probably prefer they weren't really in charge of my club. Uh, and I know that puts me somewhat in the minority of Newcastle fans. I think it's a question that isn't going to go away, but equally he was unlikely to ever say anything else about his new employers. He's not going to come in and go, yeah, actually it turns out they're really terrible people. Um, yeah, no one's going to do that, are they? Any new players, any new coaches, any new potential managers further down the line, they're never going to say this. They're, they're never going to approach the subject, no matter how hard they push it or how subtly they push it. Get me wrong, at some point, what, someone's going to say something stupid and everyone will be up in arms about it, but then the club will come out with an overarching statement and everyone will move on. But you're never going to get an answer, folks. No, I, as you say, it, it, I think they're all going to copy that Eddie Howe model of answer, which is just, no, we're just going to stick to football and we're not going to answer these difficult questions, which, as I say, well, so obviously I think it would be amazing if someone were to come out and, and speak out about it. As it's, realistically, it's just not going to happen, especially mm-hmm. since, again, they're literally employing him. They've just hired him. He's not going to come out and slag them off. I mean, it would However be distasteful they may be. It would be interesting. I mean, what would happen? Could you really fire someone like the day they've been announced? <laughs> I mean, it would be opening a can of worms. It'd be very interesting. Could they? It? That's the thing. Could they? Because can you fire someone for that? You're not necessarily slandering them as such. You just say that you don't feel comfortable working for individuals who've been associated with that. It's not really slander because we've already said multiple times it's fact. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, it's a, it's a what if, isn't it? Let's get Marvel on the case. <laughs> uh, we also heard we've heard from Amanda Stavely as well, of course. Uh, she's, amongst other things, said about how Eddie Howe's going to be back to the January transfer market. Said, we're preparing for the January transfer window. It's not a window we would ordinarily want to invest in because you probably don't get the right deals, but that's something that is important at the moment. Because how has Amanda Stavely become... The, the voice box is it just purely because she's the least hated one and now Ashley's gone she can actually like do stuff yeah I mean it's it's unusual considering that she only has something like a 10% stake of the club yet she is 100% the face of this takeover and I, I think that's because the Saudis don't want to answer any of the questions themselves I think it's easier to make her the face of this takeover but it is, it is. I think in some ways it, they could probably, I, and I'm, this is not me giving them any credit, by the way, listeners, but if push comes to shove, they can go, oh, no, look, so you know we're not sexist, uh, you know, because, of course, we all know about the appalling treatment of women in Saudi Arabia. And they go, no, no, look, see, we've a uh, woman, she's been the face of it. She, she you know, she's in charge. And I, I wonder how much this yeah. was something she wanted. I obviously... Amanda Stavely has. I think she's quite happy with the situation. No, no, no. I get that. I I know that she wants to do what she can for Newcastle. She's one of the few people who you've always been able to say, yes, she has Newcastle United at the heart of things. I wonder how much of this was political. Is this is this a choice that she wanted to be, or was it by accident that she become this proxy? Oh, I think it was political, but I think she, in my opinion, I think. She was probably fully on board with that from the start. I think I think she's quite happy, sort of being this this face of it all. Um, in terms of the January transfer window, I mean, she, she also talked about how you know it would have been easy for them to basically wait until after January to buy the club. Uh, that would have been safer investment, etc., and so on. Like business okay. talk that nobody cares about. Yeah, I mean, um... it, what's going to be interesting for me is what kind of business we can do in January in the sense that, you know, 
Now, as a general rule, obviously, players, they're not, not many of them are always going to have the stomach to join a club for a relegation fight. They don't want a relegation on their CV, even as a player, much less as a coach. That often can limit the business you can do in January when you're in the kind of position Newcastle are in heading into the winter. Sorry, I have a cat trying to get into my dressing gown. Claws are not necessary. I'm wearing a dressing gown. See, listeners, I'm wearing a dressing gown and apparently now the cat wants it. No, but instead of a toddler just clawing or padding is what I should say, this one has knives. Actual knives. Jesus. Sorry, go on, continue. <laughs> yeah, so it, you know it, it's going to be interesting to see who we can get because you've got this, on the one hand, you've got this relegation scrap that can often limit who actually wants to come versus players are going to want to join Newcastle long-term now because of the, the wages we can offer and the potential of competing you know, up, up at the top end of the table and potentially in Europe in, in the years to come. I think the thing is, as, as well, how desperate is your situation? Is our Newcastle going to be in that position where they're going to have to pay inflated prices for the mm. players? And I think we know that answer is going to be yes. Who are you going to get in? Are they going to be worth that investment? We've seen what's happened with Joe Wellington. And yes, he has improved. Is he still that massively priced individual who's worth it? I mean, it's going to be a difficult one. And I think not just the players who who do choose to join, but I do think um, how and the the owners are going to have to tread a little bit carefully down this line because this, this could be very bad decisions or... Good decisions with maybe yeah you've had you've had to pay a little bit more but actually you've paid more because you want that person rather than this desperate attempt and you talked about it last week with the desperate attempt of oh you've gone from Nazari to to, to Eddie Howe is there a plan here or oh, we can only hope that Howe has a list of players he wants to bring in and, and, and that will play to his style and that's something that they're going to do rather than they're just going to splash the cash on who, on whoever the hell they can get um, but so, it, it's going to be an interesting test of the new owners isn't it because as you say. Both A, everyone knows the wealth that Newcastle's owners now have. So that immediately will make a lot of clubs think, right, well, why can't we just bump up the price? Kind of like they do when Man United come to town. or So you're saying Leicester are going to sell all of their defenders for £80 million? Yeah, basically. Um, (laughs) And then on top of that, you might also have uh, clubs who they'll see the position we're in. They'll see, to an extent, how desperate we are to get more talent and get more bodies through the door, that, again, could lead at least some sort of more opportunistic clubs to raise their prices. It's it's going to be an interesting test of the owners in terms of are they just going to throw money at it because it's January and they want to try and do everything they can to stay up, or how shrewd are they going to be? And, it, and it's going to be interesting to see what they do. It'll also be telling to see how much power how has over these decisions because we know how Howe likes to to operate. If if they're just going for anyone and anyone or, or just lots of big names, doesn't really scream of a plan. We've already talked as well about how Newcastle need to have more breadth in their squad and also have a little bit more of like youth development. Obviously, youth development isn't going to exactly come in necessarily to the January window, but it yeah. might. It might. 
so so we're going to see is going to is going to ask big questions of everybody. And I think it'll be telling. We'll see what happens, and then we can extrapolate from that. But hey ho, exciting times! We might actually have something to talk about in January, <laughs> other than just guessing. Yep, and complaining. I mean, there might still be some complaining. There, yeah, there might be. There, there is going to be complaining. <laughs> well, we might be ten points adrift by then, or worse. Um, Here we go. It started already. <laughs> uh, Stavely as well. Also, kind of had a little bit of a dig at Ashley, which I know this is your favourite part. I mean, well, I mean, on the one hand, <laughs> I, I can appreciate it, and on the other, it's like, are you kind of just saying that as yet another sort of PR thing for the fans? But th- this is, of course, listeners, when she said uh, she talked about the Sports Direct sign. She said she's looking forward to them coming down. Said it's a slight frustration when I go into the stadium and I try and take a picture which doesn't have Sports Direct in it. Now, on the one hand, that does kind of put a smile on my face because. I mean, as I'm sure every other Newcastle fan uh, in the world feels the same way, is we've all been so annoyed at just how Newcastle and St James's Park has just been used basically as an advertising vehicle for Sports Direct for the entirety of Mike Ashley's reign and, and frankly actually getting very little from it considering the level of sponsorship and advertising that he was getting from it. Um on the other hand, the cynical part of me just goes, well, that's kind of exactly what you want the fans to think because is this basically just kind of a, we're, yeah, we're not Mike Ashley. Like, well, just, uh, just, I mean, as if they even need it, just yet yeah, another sort of PR thing for the fans. But I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie, right? The really cynical part of me says you're going to get rid of Sports Direct so modern slavery <laughs> and just replace it with slavery. <laughs> <laughs> just the old school kind of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, Scrap that modern crap. Let's go back to the original. It's slavery, misogynism. Um, okay, I've stopped. I've stopped. It's just, it's just hard. <laughs> um, in other, well, to be honest, that was kind of it for Newcastle news this week. Now, over the international break, we've all seen the managerial merry-go-round has been spinning once again. Aston Villa sacked Dean Smith, which personally I think is a bit harsh. They've now got Stephen Gerrard in. The bit that is maybe slightly more relevant to Newcastle is that Dean Smith is now at Norwich, who got rid of Daniel Farker. That's going to be difficult for you now. It's going to be an interesting quite, situation. He's quite an organised manager. Yeah, and as I say, I think, I think Villa, I think we're a bit harsh getting rid of him. I think he will improve Norwich, which, again, don't get me wrong, I think he's still got a hell of a job on his hands to keep Norwich up. And I think it's... I still, I still would say, us with Eddie Howe and with the investment we can put in the team, and I think also just with the players that we have already in the squad, I do think we have a better chance of staying up than Norwich, but it certainly puts another little spanner in the works. I mean, I wonder how Gerard's going to do with Villa. Because, I mean, yes, he did great with Rangers, but then again, you know, like, there's two teams in Scotland. Sorry to the rest of Scotland. He did do a very good job there, and I personally, I think he probably should have stayed a bit longer, but ultimately... He is going to have his eye on the Liverpool job in 2024, which is when Jürgen Klopp's current contract expires. Well, his first match is against Liverpool, isn't it, with Villa? Or is it the second match? I know it's, it's pretty dark. It's pretty soon, which will be interesting. Um, and I, I think, I guess, in his mind, he wants that Premier League experience before he most likely is the one to succeed Klopp at Liverpool, which I think is sensible. On the other hand, I think... It's going to be difficult to Aston Villa because ultimately for them, a successful season for them is probably finishing eighth and maybe they have a cup run. It's not 
obviously experience in the Premier League is going to be useful, but to what extent it's that useful for Liverpool, I'm not too sure. I mean, again, don't get me wrong, Scottish football isn't exactly a particularly high level either, but at least there he was winning titles. They had that unbeaten season, which even in Scotland, it must be said, and as you say, they are basically a two-team nation. But it must be said, you know, an unbeaten season is never anything to be sniffed at. And we know they've done quite well in the Europa League as well. Again, not hardly Liverpool level, but it's going to be an interesting I can see why he's made the move. I worry a little bit for him as to whether or not this is maybe the correct move. But, hey-ho, you know, wish him luck. It'll be interesting. Yeah, as I say, I think in terms of... I mean, well, look, I, I don't think Aston Villa will go down. I, As I say, I think I think Dean Smith was quite harshly sacked. I mean, they're hardly propping up the bottom of the table like us and Norwich are. But, yeah, I think Norwich, Norwich hiring Dean Smith does concern me a little bit, especially since we've got Norwich in a few weeks in a, well, an extremely important game. It, it's Again, it's going to be an interesting one to see how they get on. Uh, but in the meantime, we've got Brentford on Saturday at three o'clock. And again, we need the points. It's going to be a difficult game. Brentford, they've had a good start to the season. Already got three wins and three draws under their belt, again, compared to us still waiting for our first win. So, you know, they're on they're on 12 points. Uh, they've been quite strong away from home as well. The biggest hope for us, well, aside from Eddie Howe coming in, and we'll get yeah, to him in a minute. Yeah, get that managerial bounce, but... Is, their form has tailed off a bit, hasn't it? It has, and I think part of that might be due, uh, might, might be due, might be to... Maybe a little bit of fitness. Obviously, I know that they're used to playing a lot of games in the championship, like an insane amount. But the, the the level of intensity that they've been playing in various games has obviously got to take its toll. And they won't have the huge amount of depth, again, that many Premier League teams have. Mm. It's going to take its toll. They have been very, very good. And I think it'll be an interesting match. I do feel Brentford are just going to come out all guns blazing, which is the correct thing to do against a team like Newcastle because as long as you keep you on the back foot at the moment, yeah. you ain't going to do anything. Um, but yeah, it is, is kind of like a must win. Your five points are safety and your next four games are horrific. I mean, Brentford themselves... Well, to be honest, the next four games are quite gentle compared to what's to come because the <laughs> yeah, next four are Brentford, Arsenal, now obviously Arsenal will almost not beat us but then Norwich and Burnley. So basically Brentford, Norwich and Burnley, we need to be targeting points. Ideally, I mean, and I mean, given that we've not even won a game yet, I'm not counting my chickens here, mm-hmm. but you would want six to nine points from that. It's not going to happen, I, I don't think. But I think you'd be lucky to get five. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and you say that is, that would be a win against one of Brentford, Norwich and Burnley and two draws. But I mean, that's going to be that's a tough ask. Yeah, because it is. because Brentford, as we've already said, play well. Arsenal, no offence, you ain't going to win because they are on a roll. I've been actually very impressed with how Arsenal have done. I mean, they were a bit of a joke at the start of the season, which was hilarious. But um, to be fair, they've, they've really, turned it around. They have really have turned it around. And they, I think they're unbeaten in ten. Yeah, and, um, they, and they've won like eight of them. So. Um, and for those people, and you know, I, I know a couple who actually had great faith in, in Arteta, even, even through all of this, you know, fair dues. 
fair play. Yeah. Yeah, you, you were right. Um, and Norwich and Burnley have a lot to play for. Yeah, well, again, they are going to be absolutely key. Yeah. We certainly can't afford to lose them, but we really need to win them. But again, they're going to be very difficult games. In terms of Brentford, as you say, they've trailed off a little bit. They've lost their last four games in a row. So that early season form has dried up a bit. They're obviously going to be desperate to bounce back and, and stop the rot. And as you say, basically come out and, and really sort of put us to the sword before we can kind of gather some, hopefully gather some momentum under Eddie Howe. It, it's going to be tough, but I'm certainly a lot more optimistic with Howe in charge. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's, he'll have had a couple of weeks working on the training ground with the players, get, getting those details right, basically doing everything that Steve Bruce doesn't do. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing the kind of impact he has on the team, both you know, on, on the intensity of the play, because again, under Steve Bruce and, and then obviously there was sort of a couple of games under Graham Jones. You can't really say there was a lot of urgency or intensity. No, but it was interesting to see his reaction. Um, so, so obviously the camera obviously panned him a fair amount because of everything. And it was interesting to see his reaction on, on how things were going. And I think the other thing I'm looking forward to as well as obviously just seeing how the team sets up and approaches the game under Hal is can we get that first clean sheet still waiting not counting the nil-nil against Burnley in the League Cup where we mm. lost on penalties anyway thank you Steve Bruce <laughs> we've conceded 24 goals this season already I know that's that's basically oh. basically two goals a game in fact actually mm. slightly worse than two goals a game only Norwich have a worse record with 26 and of course they actually conceded seven of those in one game against Chelsea. So actually, ignoring that slight outlier, we've actually kind of been worse, worse on a yeah. general sort of game-to-game basis. I mean, if I could be asked, I could find the mean, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, well, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic because of the, the Eddie Howe factor, but make no mistake about it, it's going to be a difficult game. And to be honest, if... And this is a big if, if we can take the three points. If Well, to be honest, I think there's just going to be a huge collective sigh of relief around St. James's Park it, rather than celebration. It's but, almost like, is this is this going to be the turning point now? I feel it's, it's kind of going to have to be. Eddie Howe wants to make his mark. This is the perfect game to do it. And I'm not trying to undermine Brentford because I do think they've had an excellent season and I wish them the best because they've made the Premier League interesting again. Um but it is kind of be make or break now. And Arsenal is not going to be it. <laughs> Two games in for, for Eddie Howe and you've still not got a win. It's going to be more and more difficult because momentum's against you. I would love to see what first team Howe puts out and whether that differs um, from Bruce's. Obviously, I hope it does. There's obviously going to be a couple of players that you expect to start. We'll see if the long staffs are playing. Obviously, I know one of them's out on loan anyway. I mean, I think as much as anything, not just the personnel, it's it's going to be more the lineup and the approach. Than, and by lineup, I mean like the formation. No, 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 I get that. I get that. But there's obviously those who have started and those who haven't. I'd like to see more of Fraser because I think he's excellent on the wing. And he adds that extra bit of breadth, speed and support for your players like um, Jolington because Yes, I know we, we, we kind of dump on him a lot, but he is a good player at holding up the play. He is a big, strong individual. So if he's up the front 
and someone's being able to put crosses in, it creates problems for opposition teams. So Max Man needs someone who can keep up with him. And Almiron's been a bit poop. So, you know, but but if there is that other supporting player on the wing, maybe, maybe that makes all the difference. And, and we've seen that it can do multiple times with various different teams. Having that wide play can, can really open up teams. And that's something that I feel Newcastle's been lacking. I mean, apart from ability to pass, ability to score. Ability to defend. Yeah. We'll just Don't stop there. Well, we'll just stop. We'll just well, stop. But it'll be interesting. Back to the cautious optimism. <laughs> we'll see how it goes, and we're going to report back next week. Hopefully, with more points on the board. Touch wood. Hopefully, with another it's gonna, uh, three. Whatever happens, it's going to be a difficult match. Yeah, but it's going to be it's going to be interesting and hopefully quite exciting as well. Yeah, it'd be nice to talk about Newcastle as like a defending powerhouse again. <laughs> but yeah, we'll be back here next week to discuss it. Yay. In the meantime, <laughs> if you could please give the podcast a like and subscribe and leave us a positive review, that would be absolutely fantastic. Until next time, this has been My Prize Unrestricted. I've been your host, Chris Simpson. Thanks, Cara. No problem, Al. And thank you again, listeners. Bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.